Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Good morning and welcome to Manna for Breakfast. We are going to be jumping into Second Chronicles. It is 83 degrees, 73% humidity. It's like day in, day out, and the sun is out. It's going to be a, another scorcher today. Maybe we'll get some rain in the afternoon, which is always nice. But we are going to jump right into the dad jokes today. I'm going to be doing less on the this day in trivia. We're going to be trimming down a little bit our time, so trying to squeeze it in. Under 30 minutes, I know you guys are all busy. We got stuff going on, so we're going to try and and make it the program as best we can to stick just under 30 minutes if we can. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. I don't know, but uh, there's some interesting dad jokes today. First one is, where do hamburgers go to dance? <laughs> the meatball. <laughs> it's an Archie Bunker joke. Okay, and how about this one? Um, what's a stiff drink at a mortuary? Of course, embalming fluid. Those are pretty sad, but true to, true to the genre of dad jokes. So we are going to move into St. Chronicles now. Moving on in the life of Solomon. And we have been moving through Second Kings. Kings and Chronicles covers the same material, so a lot of this will sound familiar to you, and we've also done Chronicles before, so let's pray and jump into the Word today. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the blessing of being able to come before you. Word. Now we ask for your guidance as we come before you to seek you, God, seek your face, and we love God. The, the, everything that you reveal to us through your Word, it's always always balanced it's always true it gives us it gives us direction and we are washed by it so thank you in jesus name amen second chronicles one solomon worships at gibeon now solomon the son of david established himself securely over his kingdom and the lord his god was with him and exalted him greatly solomon spoke to all israel to the commanders of the thousands and of the hundreds, and to the judges, and to every leader in all Israel, the heads of the fathers' households. Then Solomon and all the assembly with him went to the high place, which was at Gibeon. For God's tent of meeting was there, which Moses the servant of the Lord had made in the wilderness. However, David had brought up the ark of God from the Kiriath Jerium to the place he had prepared for it, for he pitched a tent for it in Jerusalem. Now the bronze altar, which Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, had made, was there before the tabernacle of the Lord. And Solomon and the assembly sought it out. Solomon went up there before the Lord to the bronze altar which was 
at the tent of meeting and offered a thousand burnt offerings on it. In that night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask what I shall give you. Verse 8. Solomon said to God, You have dealt with my father David with great loving kindness and have made me king in his place. Now, O Lord, your promise to my father David is fulfilled, for you have made me king over a people as numerous as the dust of the earth. Give me now wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people. For who can rule this great people of yours? God said to Solomon, Because you had this in your mind and did not ask for riches, wealth, or honor, the life of those who hate you, nor have you even asked for long life, but you have asked for yourself wisdom and knowledge that you may rule my people over whom I have made you king. Wisdom and knowledge have been granted to you, and I will give you riches and wealth and honor, such as none of the kings who were before you has possessed, nor those who will come after you. So Solomon went from the high place, which was at Gibeon, from the tent of meeting to Jerusalem, and he reigned over Israel. Solomon amassed chariots and horsemen. He had 1,400 chariots, 12,000 horsemen, and he stationed them in the chariot cities with the king at Jerusalem. The king made silver and gold as plentiful in Jerusalem as stones, and he made cedars as plentiful as sycamores in the lowland. Solomon's horses were imported from Egypt and from Kue, the king's traders, procured them from Kuwait for a price. They imported chariots from Egypt for 600 shekels of silver apiece and horses for 150 apiece. And by the same means, they exported them to all the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Aram. Chapter 2. Now Solomon decided to build a house for the name of the Lord and a royal palace for himself. So Solomon assigned 70,000 men to carry loads and 80,000 men to quarry stone in the mountains and 3,600 to supervise them. Then Solomon sent word to Huram, the king of Tyre, saying, As you dealt with David my father and sent him cedars to build him a house to dwell in, so do for me. Behold, I am about to build a house for the name of the Lord my God, dedicating it to him to burn fragrance incense before him and to set out the showbread continually to offer burnt offering morning and evening on Sabbaths and on the new moons and on the appointed feasts of the Lord our God, this being required forever in Israel. The house which I'm about to build will be great, for greater is our God than all the gods. But who is able to build a house for him? For the heavens and the highest heavens cannot contain him. So who am I that I should build a house for him, except to burn incense before him? Now send me skilled men to work in gold, silver, brass, iron, and purple, crimson, and violet fabrics. And who knows how to make engravings to work with the skilled men who I have in Judah and Jerusalem, whom David my father provided. Send me also cedar, cypress, and algum uh, timber from Lebanon, for I know that your servants know how to cut timber of Lebanon. And indeed, my servants will work with your servants to prepare timber 
and abundance for me. For the house which I am about to build will be great and wonderful. Now behold, I will give to your servants, the woodsmen who cut the timber, 20,000 cores of crushed wheat, 20,000 cores of barley, 20,000 baths of wine, and 20,000 baths of oil. Then Huram, king of Tyre, answered in a letter sent by Solomon, Because the Lord loves his people, he has made you king over them. Then Huram continued, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who has made heaven and earth, who has given King David a wise son, endowed with discretion and understanding, who will build a house for the Lord and a royal palace for himself. Now I am sending Huram Abi, a skilled man endowed with understanding, the son of a Danite woman and a Tyrian father, who knows how to work in gold, silver, bronze, iron, stone, and wood, and in purple, violet, linen, and crimson fabrics, and who knows how to make all kinds of engravings and to execute any design which may be assigned to him, to work with your skilled men, with those of my lord David your father. Now then, let my lord send to his servants wheat and barley, oil and wine, of which he has spoken. We will cut whatever timber you need from Lebanon and bring it to you on rafts by sea to Joppa, so that you may carry it up to Jerusalem. Solomon numbered all the aliens who were in the land of Israel, following the census which his father David had taken. And 153,600 were found. He appointed 70,000 of them to carry loads and 80,000 to quarry the stones in the mountains and 3,600 supervisors to make people work. Next chapter, verse 1. Then Solomon began to build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah, where the Lord had appeared to his father David at the place that David had prepared on the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite. He began to build on the second day in the second month of the fourth year of his reign. Verse 3, Now these are the foundations which Solomon laid for building the house of God. The length in cubits according to the old standard was 60 cubits, and the width 20 cubits. The porch which was in front of the house was as long as the width of the house, 20 cubits. And the height, 120. And inside he overlaid it with pure gold. He overlaid the main room with cypress wood and overlaid with fine gold and ornamented it with palm trees and chains. Further, he adorned the house with precious stones and gold. The gold was gold from Parvium. He also overlaid the house with gold and beams, the thresholds and its walls and its doors, and he carved cherubim on the walls. Now he made the room of the Holy of Holies. Its length across the width of the house was 20 cubits, and its, and its width was 20 cubits. He overlaid it with fine gold, amounting to 600 talents. The weight of the nails was 50 shekels of gold. He also overlaid the upper rooms with gold. Then he made two sculptured cherubim in the room of the Holy of Holies and overlaid them with gold. The wingspan of the cherubim was 20 cubits, and the wing of one of five cubits touched the wall of the house, and 
its other wing of five cubits touched the wing of the other cherubim. The wing of the other cherub of five cubits touched the wall of the house, and its other wing of five cubits was attached to the wing of the first cherub. The wings of these cherubs extended 20 cubits, and they stood on their feet facing the main room. He made the veil of the of violet purple, crimson, and fine linen, and he worked cherubim on it. He also made two pillars for the front of the house, 35 cubits high, and the capital of the top of each was five cubits. And he made chains in the inner sanctuary and placed them on the tops of the pillars. And he made a hundred pomegranates and placed them on the chains. And he erected the pillars in front of the temple, one on the right and the other on the left. The name of the one on the right was Jachin, and the one on the left was Boaz. So the... The beginning of the work is all detailed here for us because it was a mighty, amazing, phenomenal organizational task. And think about the labor involved. But I was meditating on this as well and going through this and saying, man, that's a lot of people, a lot of people cutting, a lot of people doing. This was involved tens of thousands of people. And again, one of the spiritual truths that we pick up in this is that when it comes to worship a people worshiping their God, the one true God, Israel representative of the prototype of the church because the the assembly of Israel as they became known uh, in the desert and coming in New Land, that word assembly is essentially where we get the word church from. We are an assembly of believers and Everyone essentially was given a task. Everyone participated in the building and construction. And it was something that obviously they got paid for too, but uh, there was so many people involved in this. And there is a sense that we as the temple of God, we are being built one stone upon another, right? The temple is being built even now, as far as the church as the temple of God is being built all the way until Jesus comes. But we all have a task, and we're all a part of it. This wasn't just Solomon and a few people and nobody else. Everybody seemed to be involved in this. And it was to the glory of God, and it was to be glorious and centered around these amazing cherubim. Just amazing. you got to get in your mind how these things are really described they're not little. They're huge there with their wings touching each other, going all the way to the wall, standing on their feet even, it says. It was quite different than some of the uh, things we see in the movies. But this presence, this all of this building was to bring a focal point to the worship of man that here is the Lord your God, Israel. I am here. I am in your midst. I dwell in the midst of my people. And if they could keep their focus there and keep coming to him, essentially on a daily basis, but keep coming to him, then he would protect them, guide them, feed them, be their their father, really, over all things, their king. 
Solomon knew this, and so this is what he's pursuing here at this point in his life. And this is, again, gives us a spiritual principle that we are to seek him and that we, the church, are the temple. We come into the sanctuary. We come together for the focal point of the worship of he who is there between the cherubim who is mighty, and we are able to go into the Holy of Holies and worship there before him. And if we keep that in our focus, then he is going to keep us <laughs> in his focus. I mean, we know he does even when we stray, but my point is he's going to, he's going, he's going to continue to bless his church, and he, we are going to receive much more than we can give out in our worship for sure. 1 Corinthians 16 now, the end of the book of Corinthians. Instructions and greetings. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches in Galatia, so do you also. For the first day of the week, that's Sunday, by the way. On the first day of the week, each one of you is to put aside and save as he may prosper, so that no collection be made when I come. When I arrive, whomever you may approve, I will send them with letters to carry your gift to Jerusalem. And if it is fitting for me to go also, they will go with me. But I will come to you after I go through Macedonia, for I am going through Macedonia, and perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter so that you may send me on my way wherever I may go. For I do not wish to see you now just in passing, for I hope to remain with you for some time, if the Lord permits. But I will remain in Ephesus until Pentecost. For a wide door for effective service has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. Now if Timothy comes, see that he is with you without cause to be afraid, for he is doing the Lord's work, as I also am. So let no one despise him, but send him on his way in peace, so that he may come to me. I expect him with the brethren. But concerning Apollos, our brother, I encouraged him greatly to come to you with the brethren, and it was not at all his desire to come now, but he will come when he has opportunity. But be on alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. And I urge you, brethren, you know the household of Stephanas, that they were the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have devoted themselves for ministry to the saints, that you also be in subjection to such men and to everyone who helps in the work and labors. I rejoice over the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaikias, because they have supplied what was lacking on your part. For they have refreshed my spirit and yours, therefore acknowledge such men. The churches of Asia greet you, Aquila and Priscilla greet you, heartily in the Lord with the church that is in their house. All the brethren greet you, greet one another with a holy kiss. The greeting is in my own hand, Paul. If anyone does not love the Lord, he is to be accursed, Maranatha. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you, my love be with you all in Christ Jesus, amen. I think the idea of anyone does not love the Lord is to be accursed. I think it's applying directly to those false teachers that were in the church 
creating the divisions and causing so much so much dissension and it was clear that some people were in the church for the purpose of power or popularity money who knows and paul was identifying them and and letting them know that if they are not if they don't really love the lord they're there to be a curse there be a curse by god you could see the wolves were already coming into the church i don't think it was just a blanket statement like hey by the way guys if anybody in the world that doesn't love the lord is to be accursed well i mean essentially doctrinally it goes without saying anybody that doesn't love the lord is going to fall under the curse that the wages of sin is death and they're going to go to hell so i don't think it was that kind of a doctrinal statement as it was them acknowledge him saying that those that are in the church bothering you they are going to be accursed by god they're going to be accountable but the maranatha part that means lord jesus come he's like come on lord we are we're there was a lot going on in that church paulus wasn't ready to come we don't know why but you see that these men did have free will they were there were times paul wanted to come and he says i hope to come to you and stay there but i don't know if i can or i don't know if it's going to happen yet they they both followed the lord and they used their own uh, will and what they saw with with wisdom saying if this is not a proper time for me to come i'm going to wait to come at a different time and you see paul is making his decision on the kind of open doors of ministry that god is opening up to him where he was so it's it is helpful you look at this as far as how people did ministry back then home churches aquilus and priscilla and we see paul has a strong love for this church in in corinthians perhaps the most messed up church there in Asia Minor, but it, it was it was a loving church, even though it had all these problems. They they did have something real. They just were getting getting ahead of themselves in their worship, getting ahead of themselves in many different things. Sometimes you're so excited about the Lord, you kind of just go running off without really slowing down and letting the Lord guide you. And this is what Paul wanted to come back and, and do with them. So the that church in Corinthians, so much like the church today. We're all imperfect. We're all a work in process. We are the temple. And if we can keep the focus, the focus, the main thing, the main thing, the worship of our one true God, and realize that we are in the Holy of Holies, then we, he will do the rest. Charles Spurgeon, now I will judge between cattle and cattle, Ezekiel thirty four twenty two. Some are fat and flourishing, and therefore they're unkind to the feeble. This is a grievous sin and causes much sorrow. Those thrusting with side and with shoulder, pushing of the diseased with the horn, are a sad means of offense in the assemblies of professing believers. The Lord takes note of these proud and unkind deeds, and he is greatly angered by them, for he loves the weak. Is the reader one of the despised is he a mourner in zion and a marked man because of his tender conscience do his brethren judge him harshly let him not resent their conduct above all let him not push and thrust in return let him leave the matter in the lord's hands he is the judge why should we wish to intrude upon his office he will decide much more righteously than we can his time for judgment is the best, and we need not be in a hurry to hasten it on. 
Let the hard-hearted oppressor tremble, even though he may ride roughshod over the others with impunity for the present. All his proud speeches are noted, and for every one of them account must be given before the bar of the great judge. Patience, my soul, patience. The Lord knoweth thy grief. Thy Jesus hath pity upon thee. That's a powerful and very true. I don't know what to say on that. Be kind. Father, we thank you for this day that you've given us, and we are blessed. As always, we're blessed for everything that you have done for us. And we know, God, that we are not worthy of the blessings we have. But we therefore thank you all the more that as weak as we are and imperfect as we are, you take us and say that you're a part. We are a part of what you are building, something that is permanent and glorious and has connectivity one with the other. There will, we will never be without family. We will never be without love. We will never be alone as we are part of your kingdom And together, we just need to learn, Father, more how to love each other, as Paul was stressing here in 1 Corinthians. And we can do it by your Spirit if we allow your Spirit to guide and direct. And so we, we certainly thank you for the work you're doing in us. Continue it, God. We need it so much. And we want to see our bodies built up in health and strength so that we can carry on and do the work that you want us to do. So we we do lift up those that have gone through quite a bit, that have had to deal with so much in their lives, with their health. Many since their youth, we thank you for those that have chronic diseases that are still pressing on. Thinking of our good friends we haven't seen in a long time, Uh, Nabil and Susie in, in Arizona, God, still pressing on for you. And no matter what the pain or the diagnosis, um, they press on, knowing that you're the God of their salvation and the God of their new bodies, their upgrades they're looking forward to, waiting in patience. Thank you for those who have the maturity to wait in patience. But for others that are, are now going through their healing, God, continue to heal them. We thank you for Kathy, who's good had a successful quadruple bypass. Thank you, God, that um, she is healing up and seemed to be doing remarkably well, what she says. So we could guess continue that to help her to heal up quickly and uh, strong. It's amazing to see people that go through these things, sometimes how, how well they can come out of it. We thank for the modern medicine and the modern techniques they have now. Think about people who get their knees replaced or hips replaced. And how they're out of the hospital in about a day and they're walking in two days or three days or something. Just amazing, God. So continue to do that. Continue to touch and heal. And for those that have come off uh, treat cancer treatments that are just cancer-free right now or in remission, continue that blessing, God. Pray for our Pastor Joe up in Busadias, God, who just got re-diagnosed with prostate cancer, God, and needs a lot of um, your healing power, God, in his life. Touch him and, and do, do what you do, God. Heal, restore, rebuild, and uh, continue to use him in his ministry up there. 
and for Tony and Bernice, we pray for them in Cambodia, what they're doing, God, help them with all their needs. Uh, for Esti and is in <laughs> it's Italy, please pray and bless their ministry as they are doing so many great things and seeing God do powerful things up there. So thank you for them. And uh, just continue to guide us, God, through the rest of this day and tomorrow as we go into service. May you be honored and glorified there. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, guys, thank you so much. We will um, put out an audio podcast for tomorrow, and we will get back together on Monday Live. So we'll see you then. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.